ladies and gentlemen, good evening. Welcome. This is Triple Play Tuesdays. I am your host, Shane Morning. Brought to you by 365 Sportscast, where there is no off-season. That works out pretty well for us here up in Minnesota. We got four major sports teams to talk about all year long. We don't have off-season. No time for an off-season in fandom. Yes, we will be talking about the Vikes. Got new GM. The head coaching search is on. Wilder winner of five straight. Going wild. Twins might be locked out right now, but those teapots, those wolves, they're locked in. Triple Play Tuesdays. You can follow us on Twitter at Triple Tuesdays. Email us your thoughts as well. Triple Play Tuesdays at gmail.com. Love to hear from you. We are going to be broadcasting to you every Tuesday at 7 o'clock Central Standard Time for you folks here in the Twin Cities. That's 8 o'clock on the East Coast. And, well, if you live on the West Coast, you can do the math. Let's start off with our, our hometown favorites, the old Vikings here. Can't wait, now that we have a GM, for them to finally go ahead and find a head coach and the front runner right now and what everyone's talking about old Jimmy Harbaugh gonna leave Michigan khaki wearing Jim actually I heard he's moved on to Lululemon which uh, good for him they gotta be way more comfy than khakis can you imagine walking around flipping khakis all game it's freezing out khakis are frozen Boy, it's got to suck to walk in. But Jim Harbaugh, right now our front runner, someone that I think around town people are reasonably excited for. He's also been rumored now to be looking at the Miami Dolphins as well. When you look at the Vikes versus the Dolphs, Dolphins, and what may be attractive in Miami outside of the weather for Jim Harbaugh, there's one absolutely glaring thing. It has to do with cap space. The Vikings are projected to be more than $15 million over the cap this year. Whew. A lot of money. Miami? They're on the complete opposite side of that. They are right now projected to have more than $64 million in cap space when free agency begins here in March, which, hey, it's February 1st. We're only a few few short weeks away. 
that's a lot of money. That's a lot of fun money. But why would you want to go to Miami? Do you want to go coach up Tua? Hope that he can kind of figure things out and stay healthy. I wouldn't. I think what Jim Harbaugh should do is he should come to Minnesota. Here's the deal. Yeah, so there's cap issues, right? I mean, that's been a talking point with the Vikings for the entire season, really. Most of it comes back on Kurt, the awful deal that we made with Kurt, which, yes, okay, I will give it to you, guaranteed money. Not the greatest plan. Let's go back to that time, though, really quick. When we first signed Kurt, I shouldn't say we, I'm not on the team. When the Vikings first signed Kurt, guaranteed money, who else were the Vikings going to go to? And stop with the Case Keenum thing. Okay? The Minneapolis miracle was awesome. Okay? It might be the highlight of my Viking fandom in my nearly 30 years here on Earth. But Case Keenum was not going to be the answer. So stop with that. Okay? It was a great story. He wrote a great, what was that, in The Athletic that he talked about the championship game, how much it meant. How'd that go? We got embarrassed in Philly. Remember that heartache? That pain? Miracle is cool. The Case Keenum was not going to be the answer. Let's just let's just stop with that already. Kirk Cousins was the best quarterback that the Vikings could go out and get. End of discussion. Good quarterbacks do not become free agents. We have seen that time and time again. So, how do you get a good quarterback, you might ask? You draft one. You gotta draft one. The Vikings, not a lot of success in drafting quarterbacks. Who knows? Maybe Jimmy Harbaugh Maybe he wants to come here. Maybe he wants to coach up a quarterback that uh, the Vikings already have. A young gunslinger. Tell him on. Let me tell you why this would be attractive to Jim. Lululemon wearing Jim now. 2011. It was four days after he won the Orange Bowl with Stanford that he signed a deal with the Niners. He came in, and who was the who were the Niners? Who was the Niners' starting quarterback at that time? Alex Smith. Alex Smith was on his way out of the NFL. He was awful. The Niners, anticipating a rebuild season, back in 2011, they were not good. Things were not looking good at all. The Niners hadn't had a winning season or a playoff appearance since 2002. Fast forward nine seasons, they bring in old khaki-wearing Jimmy Harbaugh. Fire-spitting Jimmy. What does he do? He leads that team to a 13-3 record in the regular season. They win the NFC West. 
pretty good. They even go to the NFC Championship game. First time they made the playoffs in nine years. Looking at what was going to be another rebuild for the 49ers. Jim said no. He came in and immediately turned things around and made the 49ers extremely successful moving forward. Let's not forget that. So that season, they have Alex Smith as the starter, right? He's the starter for one year. And who comes in? A young Colin Kaepernick. A young gunslinger. Is this sounding relative? we got one year left with Kurt. we got a young kid. Now, I will be honest. Am I super high on Kalamon? No, he's really raw. But the guy's athletic. People weren't real high on Colin Kaepernick. Look what he did. Guy that should have stayed in the NFL a whole lot longer than he did. Let's just be honest. Jim Harbaugh could do the same thing here. Another key part of Jim Harbaugh coming here, what if he brings another another freshly fired coach, Vic Fangio? The quickest way for a, a poor NFL team, now I'm not saying the Vikings are poor. The, the Vikings have a ton of talent. They're right there. I truly do believe that this Viking team, give it, give it a year, maybe two, they can contend. They can contend in the Central, in the North, without a doubt. They have enough talent. The offense has enough talent. You have weapons all around. They can get it done. Where do the Vikings need to improve right now? Defense. Bad. Defense has been lacking the last few years. When Zim stepped in, first thing he did was he built a new defense. That defense was the staple for the Vikings for almost Zim's entire tenure, really, except for, what, the last two years? Last two years, they've been tough. They've been tough to watch. And it's not its not because they don't have talent on the defense. They have a ton of it. It's all over. Now, there have been injuries. There have been guys that have missed time. Think of Daniil Hunter, Anthony Barr. Secondary's been pretty rough. But if all of a sudden you can bring in Vic Fangio, who in 2011 created one of the top defenses in the NFL? Yeah, I'd do that. He's a buddy of Jim's. He's a buddy. He's a friend. Why wouldn't he come? What else is he going to go do? He's not going to get another head coaching job. I think we all know that. Bring him along. Bring him in. One thing I'm kind of tired of, to be completely honest, is all the new, young coaches. I'm talking specifically right now about another another finalist or a name that's been getting thrown around quite a bit with the Vikings as well, and that's Kevin O'Connell. 
Ken O'Connell currently is the offensive coordinator out in L.A. for the Rams. Young guy, 36 years old. Does he have a future? Absolutely. Is that future with the Vikings? God, I hope not. Kevin O'Connell is an offensive coordinator under Sean McVay. Who makes the play calls out there in L.A.? Sean McVay. Who's the offensive guru that literally you can you can bring up? I mean, there's videos on it. Go look them up. This guy, Sean McVay, has the most unbelievable memory that you will you'll ever get to witness, ever. The dude brings up, like, third quarter, 2018, you're playing Philly, there's four minutes and 42 seconds left, what'd you call? It was second and seven, and the guy tells you exactly, doesn't even tell you exactly what the play is, he tells you what the outcome is. What happened on that play? Unbelievable. You think that guy is looking over at Kevin O'Connell and saying, hey, what should we do? No, not a chance. Not a chance. Kevin O'Connell has the greatest internship ever. He stands there on the sidelines, listens to Sean McVay make calls, and then hangs out, slaps some guys on the butt. Way to go, Stafford. OBJ, that was a hell of a catch. Cooper Cup, love what you're doing. He's not doing anything out there. Sure, he's learning, okay? I'll give him that. He's learning underneath a, a coach that is, I mean, quite frankly, making waves in the NFL. When McVay first came in, wow. That was an offense no one had seen. Shades of the Ram. The Rams in the early 2000s, late 90s, 2000s, and the greatest show on turf. O'Connell has nothing to do with that. Zero. Zilch. Nada. Is he going to be a good coach one day? Absolutely. Absolutely he will be. And he's going to be a head coach. That's for sure. And I'm sure he'll be successful. But not here, not now. This is not what the Vikings need. Vikings don't need a head coach to figure it out. This team isn't in a figure-it-out place. Vikings know what they have. They have a cap issue, right? They have a quarterback going into this final season that I, I don't know if you extend, Kurt, honestly. Go get, a, go get a coach that can turn this around now. Kevin O'Connell can't do that. Mecco Ryan's out in San Francisco, another guy that's been rumored to be interviewing with the Vikings for the head coaching job. That one, another young guy, 37, played at Bama, was a two-time pro bowler, defensive-minded. Don't mind that. Again, the fastest way for an NFL team to become better is to have a good defense. Sat with the Browns. We've seen it right here at home with the Vikes. See it with Baltimore. See it all over the place. Patriots. Patriots have had some pretty rough offenses over the years, even with TB12. But their defense kept them in a lot of games. 
the Ravens basically won a Super Bowl with their defense. So let's find something like that. All three of these coaches that have just been mentioned, all familiar with the new GM from their days with the 49ers. And I just think at the end of the day, when you're looking at what do the Vikings need now, because they're in a now moment, right? The Wilfs don't want to rebuild. They're not into that. They're great owners. They want to put the best product they possibly can on the field. We can't say that about every owner in Minnesota all the time. Wilfs, they mean it. Part of it for them is the better product they put, the more packed U.S. Bank Stadium is going to be on Sundays. But they go out and they get guys. They make splashes. What more can you really ask for out of your ownership? Nothing. Cheaper beer. Cheaper food. Bigger parking lot. But that's kind of out of their control, right? So the Vikings have some big decisions here, and, and hopefully they make it fast because the NFL draft is coming right around the corner. It's going to be here before we know it. Super Bowl wraps up now in uh, two weeks, and that's when these these things in free agency starts to loom. It's already looming. Only a few, few short weeks away from it. Need a head coach in place. That head coach should be Jim Harbaugh. And I think the majority of Viking fans would agree with that. I really do. Yeah, he's weird. He's a strange guy. He's a hell of a coach. And if he's not wearing the khakis and he's gone for something more comfy like the Lululemons, let's go. Bring it on. All about the fashion sense. Plus, he'd be really fun to listen to. Right? Zimmer's kind of boring with the media. Just throw shade at everybody all the time. Harbaugh is, he's intense, right? Like, that was something I think when you hear a bit about Zim and some of the behind-the-scenes stuff that's starting to come out now uh, between him and Spielman and some of the players, you know, he was an intense guy. He expected a lot out of all of his players. Jim Harbaugh, cut from that same cloth. He expects a ton out of his players. He's a passionate guy. There's nothing wrong with that. It's football, baby. We want people that are passionate about it. We want to win. What happened with the Vice last year? Can't have that again. We really can't. Not with this team. We're going to waste another running back's prime in Dalvin. Hoping that he stays out of trouble and stays healthy. So my vote's for Jim. And uh, they're going to be meeting, it sounds like, actually. They're going to He's going to be in town. He's going to come in and meet with the Vikes on Wednesday. I don't let him leave the building without a contract in hand. What do you want? Let's give it to him. You come in here. Turn this ship around. We'll scold you all the way to the to the big game. The Super Bowl, homeboy. So I say they go. I say they go, Jim. We'll see what happens. Right, we'll we'll get a chance to talk a bit more about that next week and kind of what the outlook looks like here for the Vikings and as we start to approach the uh, draft, we'll definitely talk about some drafts here on Tuesdays on Triple Play Tuesdays again. Uh, if you're 
on Twitter. Follow us here at Triple Tuesdays. You can also email into us at triple triple play Tuesdays at gmail.com. That's a mouthful, ain't it? It's fast if you type it. Email us though. Let us know your thoughts, who you're looking for, who you want as the new head coach. Maybe you still want Jared Allen. I thought it was hilarious that he came out and said that he wanted the job. That would have been great. We mentioned the T-Pups. They've been looking locked in. The Cat, Sunday night, had his second career triple-double against Utah in what was a very big win. 126-106, to 106, beating up on the Jazz. Should be noted that the Jazz did have kind of the B squad out there, if you will. But, hey, it's a win. It's a big win. It's a win against uh, someone else in the Western Conference that's above you in the standings. Jazz now have lost five straight. Just two weeks ago, they are fighting for a spot with the Phoenix Suns. Now, they're starting to slip a little bit. The Wolves back to 500. I, uh, they're in the eighth seed right now. I think they can chase down a sixth seed maybe. Uh, Donovan Mitchell is out, though, for Utah. He's their leading scorer. Rudy Gobert out as well. He was, or still is, the uh, leading rebounder in the NFL. Or in the NBA, um, but it is worth noting that D'Lo out two games in a row. So again, Cat kind of putting the team on his back. Gotta love to see that, especially with D'Lo out. Best thing about Cat is that he can take over games. We've seen him do it before, but it was great to be able to see him do that on Sunday. Just kind of a cherry on top, if you will, getting that second triple-double. But I do. I think that the Wolves, a 500 team right now, kind of been playing at that pace all season, really. Kind of flirting with the 500 and a little over 500 line, a little under 500 at times. The biggest issue with the Wolves right now, defense. Has been ever since Jimmy left. Oh, no, did he say Jimmy Butler? Yeah, I did. Should have kept Jimmy Butler around. When a guy shows up to practice, takes all of the bench players and says, I'll take on our starting five and beats them in practice, that's some Michael Jordan USA Olympic team practice type of stuff right there. Then just walks out. That's a man move. That's what we call that, the man move. The Wolves have this week coming up another Western Conference opponent that they are playing right now here on Tuesday night. The Denver Nuggets, who have won five straight. Nuggets, a team that they've been pretty good this year. Um, It's definitely going to be a test for the Wolves. And I think coming at a pretty good time with the Pups. Uh, Hopefully D'Lo comes back. I know what, two games because of a left something wrong with his left shin. Beverly's been out too. He's got a right ankle sprain. I don't expect him to play. But as long as you have, I don't know if I want to call him a big three, but it's Minnesota's big three with D'Lo, Cat, and Edwards. A1, stay one. The self-proclaimed black Jesus. I don't know if you guys saw that interview. It was just uh, last week. It's, it's worth going back and taking a listen to. Man, that kick cracks me up. But the biggest issue they've had so far this year has been defense. And... 
D'Lo's been playing a lot better defense, I think. Just watching the Wolves this year, he looks more engaged with the team. He's kind of stepped up, I think, and taken more of a leadership leadership type of mentality. I think he's realizing that when he does well, the Wolves do well. And those three, obviously, are the key to the t- to the T-Pups. No doubt about it. They can score. They're the eighth leading team in scoring this year. They're averaging over 110 points a game, 111.6 to be exact. But they're giving up 110 a game. It's tough to win a lot of games by one. It's not really where you want to be. But when you look at the Western Conference and why I say that they should they should make a run to, I think, six, is that when you go down the list, okay, so you got the Phoenix Suns in first, right? 40 and 9 as we stand. The winners of 10 straight. They look good. Golden State, yeah, they're going to be good. Memphis, hey, Memphis has been quite the surprise team. I bet there's not a player you can name on the Memphis Grizzlies outside of Tyus. Tyus. The home, hometown pride, Tyus. Utah, we just talked about. They've lost five straight. They're just, they're injured right now. Can the Wolves catch them? I don't know. Can the Wolves catch the Nuggets? Hmm, it's going to be tough. Nuggets are pretty good. But can they catch Dallas? I think so. They're right behind the Lakers, or the Clippers, excuse me, right now. They can get the Clippers. The Lakers are right behind the Wolves in the ninth spot. Portland in the 10th. Neither of those teams really scare me. Yeah, I know the Lakers got Russ. They got LeBron. They got, you know, a bunch of old guys, really. They need to figure it out. They are slipping away. I saw a highlight of the Laker game. I think Sunday night it was. It was LeBron. Five on one. Rest of the team didn't come down the court with them. So we'll see what happens with the Lakers, but they need to turn it on. They need to turn it on quick. There's a lot of basketball left. Don't get me wrong. But you can't start slipping down that that hole. Not that anyone's going to catch the Lakers. Teams that are out right now, San, uh, San Antonio. Gone are the days there, San Antonio. New Orleans. Sacramento. Sacramento's lost six in a row. OKC lost seven in a row. One in nine in the last ten games. Yeah, not too worried about those guys. But the Wolves can can catch the Clippers. I think they can catch the Mavericks. It's going to be tough, but they're playing good basketball right now. If we look at this week, one of the reasons this, this uh, game against the Nuggets is a big game for them, it's tonight, winners of five straight, few spots ahead of them in the standings and then after that they get Detroit they're at Detroit on Thursday come back home play Detroit on Sunday those are two wins that they should have you can find a way to beat the Nuggets you have a good game hopefully D'Lo's back Cat continues to some momentum Anthony Edwards continues to be Anthony Edwards the most athletic guy on the floor at all times Pretty soon you're looking at a four game win streak. That's how you catch that's how you catch Dallas right there. 
they win four in a row, they probably pass the Clippers into the seventh seed. And then Dallas is Dallas is in sight at that point. So I expect them to get a sixth seed. That's what I want out of the Wolves this year. And I don't think that's asking for too much. They're going to have to play well. And like I said, there's a lot of basketball left, right, to be fair. There's plenty left. You know, and injuries are a part of the game. It's a long season. They still have, what, like a third left of the season? You keep injuries to a minimum. You keep the our big three out there. Play a little bit of defense. Watch out. Are they going to make a run to the finals? No. Can we get back to the playoffs? Yeah. We're going to make it back to the playoffs this year. It's going to be super exciting. The one thing about Minnesota that not enough people talk about is how much of a basketball state this place is. I know. We're the state of hockey, right? I get it. But basketball in Minnesota, I, I'm not even going to say it's been growing. It's been here. It has been here. One of the exciting things about if you just uh, go across Minneapolis and take a look at the Gopher team and Ben Johnson, what he's doing over there, if you haven't had a chance to watch this Gopher team, check them out. Check these guys out because they play so hard. Those guys care. Yeah, they, they're, they're not winning a ton of games right now, but they battle. And Ben Johnson, he's going to be bringing in in-state recruits home. Keep those boys home. There's a ton of basketball here in Minnesota, and we are just starting to tap into it. Minnesota can be a basketball town, no doubt. And the Wolves, a lot of us are very fair-weather fans with the Wolves, but there's a lot of diehards out there. I just go see a guy in the Skyway, 5 Buck Chuck. Shout-out 5 Buck Chuck. Used to get $5 tickets. Watched K-Love get his double-double. Place was empty. Not anymore. Not anymore, folks. The Wolves are fun to watch. They're entertaining. Shoot the three ball. Score a ton of points. Watch Anthony Edwards. I mean, he's worth alone turning, flipping the tube on and watching part of the game at least, if not the whole thing, just to see what he's going to do. You can jump through the building if you felt like it. And you got Cat, the seven-footer, popping threes. D'Lo doing his thing. It's a fun team. Just definitely be watching a lot more of them and uh, are going to be following them very closely here as they kind of head down the home stretch, at least getting, getting there. Um, yeah, they're hot right now. They're going to be fun to watch. and It's going to be really great to have playoff basketball back in the great state of Minnesota again. As I mentioned, Minnesota, the state of hockey, we've beaten that to death. I think everyone knows and is aware. Tough showing for the state of hockey. January 1st. Not the game you wanted to see out of the wild. Felt bad for some of the folks out there watching in those frigid temperatures. Team that just Quite frankly, that day, they didn't show up. Tough to see. But since then, winners of five straight. They just beat Parisi's club out in New York. Four to three in what was a 
wasn't as close of a game as four to three when you're looking at the goals they got one late. Four to two most of the third period. They were outshot though by twenty two shots. That's a lot. Kakinen looked great in goal though. Saved forty of the forty three shots that he had on net. That's his now his tenth win of the season. It makes his save percentage go up to uh nine twenty two. He's having a career year. If we look at this Wild team, a lot of the guys on the team having career years. Hartman. Hartman's having a career year. Felino. Kevin Fiala. Joel Erickson Eck. Alex Goligoski. What a great name that is. Goligoski. That's a hockey name right there. Erickson Eck. Hockey name. But Goligoski, that's, that's one of the tops right there. You always get those fun, crazy names in in uh in hockey. But yeah, outshot big time. Didn't matter. Real Kaprizov with his 18th goal of the season in the third period had two more points. It's 52 points he's up to now. I'm sure, you all saw on Twitter and and elsewhere that follow the Wild, one of the quickest players in NHL history to get to the 100 point total. Is 52 points right now this season. Has him 7th in, in the entire NHL. Last year, so he played 55 games last year in what was a shortened season, obviously, due to uh, the pandemic. Had 51 points in 55 games this year. 52 already. Leading the team in points. Um, Zuccarello right behind him with 40. Point streak ended on uh, Sunday against the Islanders. Um, but this team's last loss, we got to go back to January 17th and a loss to Colorado. A team, Colorado, who's been the best team in the league by a, by quite a bit, honestly. Um, but that was the last loss. If we look at the the month of January, They've won ten out, or eight out of their ten games. They're eight one and one here in the month of January. Now that's wrapped up, which was great to see after kind of a tough end to 2021 December, especially end of December. A lot of injuries, and it was tough, tough sledding there for a bit. Started to look like uh, the panic button might get hit, but it was early enough on that didn't really affect them too much. The uh, Wild right now, they got quite a few games kind of in hand. And I think that always comes up with with hockey and when we're looking at the standings, how many games in hand every year. That always gets brought up. Wild right now have quite a few games in hand when we're looking at the West. Uh, Nashville's right ahead of them points-wise with 58. The Wild are at 57 of St. Louis but we have five games in hand on Nashville four games in hand to St. Louis so really when we're looking at the standings personally I want to see the point percentage that really gives you an idea of where where the club's at that's second they're in second right behind Colorado at that point Colorado with 10 more points than the Wild have right now Three more games played. 
But the Wild are doing a lot of really good things. They are a fun team to watch. We're, we're getting really lucky in Minnesota right now where our two winter sports teams are entertaining. And that's something with the Wild. We weren't always able to say that you're kind of a defense-first type of team. Tell me that doesn't sound like a Minnesota team. Defense first. Just thinking back on Viking teams that were led by the defense. It's never really been a Wolves thing, I guess, but the Twins in there, the Piranhas back in the day, Nick Punto, making all sorts of plays at third base. Defense first. Not anymore. Now we're high-flying offense. Kirill, obviously, a big part of that. That guy. Man, he skated circles, literally circles, the other night around the net. I don't know how many laps he made. The dude looked like he was out there skating the Daytona 500. Just laps. And what's impressive about that is we're talking about the NHL. You don't see guys do that in the NHL. Ever. He's got that puck on a string, and he's fun to watch. So the Wild right now, another playoff team. Starting to become a trend with these winter teams. They're doing a lot of great things. Dean Everson, I'll be honest, when we first had him as our interim coach for, Bruce, for uh, good old Bruce Boudreaux, I was a little nervous. I didn't think he'd be around that long um, I thought they'd go out and they'd find a new coach but he's he's phenomenal he's a guy that I think should be up for coach of the year the Wild did just re-sign Jordan Greenway to an extension three year extension one of the tough guys for the Wild one of my favorite players got 13 points on, on the season and a plus 17 rating. Two game winning goals. A lot of hits. 82 hits in 33 games. I'm kind of old school when it comes to hockey. I like the guys that want to pop somebody. Clean someone's clock. Drop the gloves when needed. That's fun. That's what hockey's about. Here in the great state of hockey. Yeah, Dean Emerson. He gives great after-game, post-game interviews. During that December cold stretch, weather and team play, he straight up called out the power play. Dean, why are you bringing up two young pups? And he said, I will quote, because our power play sucks. How many coaches this day of age will come out and say something like that. Not a lot. If they did, ooh, usually not uh, <laughs> not received very well most of the time. Kakanen, though, with his 10th win of the season, that was good to see. I'm starting to lean more and more to keeping Kakanen in that. I think that not only is he having a career year, you just kind of know what you're going to get with him. Right? He hasn't had a shutout on the season yet. 
And in former years with the Wild, we'd be worried about that. Maybe. You know, he's got 2.53 goals against. And that's a decent number, right? It's not a top of the NHL type of number. But that's basically what you see out of him. Two, three, maybe four goals. The thing that's different with this Wild team is that the offense is able to put up goals. They're able to score. This season, they're they're in the plus. They're plus 38 point differential-wise. And they have a fun little stretch of hockey here. They're going to be playing the Blackhawks again uh, tomorrow night, 8.30. You can catch them. A struggling Blackhawk team that the Wild, I mean, they've had some pretty entertaining games against that Blackhawk team here as of late. Right back on a, you know, they're not going to be, and they got quite the break. They're going to be looking at about a week break um, almost and going up and playing the Jets. A Jets team that hasn't gotten to play a ton of games here as of late up there in Canada, old Winnipeg. Oh, Canada. But this wild team is, they're looking like the real deal. Honestly, say it's a homer take all you want. I think they're a top five team right now. Sure, Tampa's good. Pittsburgh's good. I put them ahead of that. Absolutely. Are they Colorado? No. It's a fun rivalry to watch. I think that this is one of those years where they really need to make some noise when it comes to the playoffs, though, because, again, we're seeing a lot of guys have career years for the Wild. That's a scary thing when you start looking into the future. Alex, he's old, right? This is this is probably the best year he'll ever have. Hartman, young guy. He's going to continue to be, well, good. And hopefully we continue to see... Polino do well. Kevin Fiala has been one of the better players on this team now for a few years. Eric Sinek, he's a fun guy to watch. He does a lot of good stuff out of the center position. So we'll see what ends up happening on going on with the Wild here in the state of hockey. As the season rolls on, we'll definitely be following them the entire season and, and into the playoffs where they are most definitely headed at this point. As long as they can stay away from injuries. Again, I could probably say that with every single team. You got to stay away from injuries. Hockey is tough. Those are some tough SOBs, though. Those guys will play through almost anything. Let's talk about lockout. The lockout twins. Are we going to get a chance to see spring training this year? I don't know. Sounds like uh, the owners and the, the players' union are trying to get the deal done. My idea with that, by the way, this is what they should do. They should lock. They should all, well, first they should all get together and let's make it Vegas. Who doesn't like going to Vegas? Get them up in a hotel there. Give them a giant conference room. And then they're locked in there. Can't leave the hotel. You got the buffet. You can go gamble in your spare time. But for eight hours a day, just like the rest of us, you got to go to work. You need to figure this out. 
Remember what happened in 94 when you guys didn't play? It was awful. I don't remember it, but from what I hear, terrible. You lose popularity when you do that. No baseball? No fun? I thought we were all about letting the kids play. You still got guys getting mad for bat flips. You're trying to get robot umps. They have it in AAA now. Biggest mistake they could possibly do is have robot umps. And let me tell you why. It's because Garrett Cole, perfect example, was a 93-mile-an-hour slider. I remember when 93 used to show up on the Fox games, and what it would do was it would give you that flame and that whoosh. It was fast. Now he's got a slider that not only breaks all speed limits in the lower 48, I don't know about Alaska, I don't know what the heck's the Wild West up there, who knows what their speed limits are. But it moves like a foot. Now he starts clipping edges with that, good luck. The Mendoza line is going to become the 300 line. Anyway, back to the Twins. Uh, some news with the Twins that's been going on. Kenta Maeda uh, recently just told reporters over in Japan he's eyeing a return here in September. Pretty quick turnaround for a guy that just went under the knife for TJ this last September and lost the season. Obviously, Kenta last year dealing with injuries and kind of had a down year in comparison to his year before where he was you know, looking like a Cy Young candidate. The Twins' biggest issue is pitching, right? We all know that. Shouldn't come as a surprise or a shock to anybody. You got to re-sign Big Mike. Please re-sign Big Mike. I'm sure he got caught with the PEDs. And yeah, he was the guy in New York that had the sticky stuff on his neck. Man, he has been good for the Twins. He's somebody that you know can go out there every fifth day, take the ball, and give you a chance to win. That's what the Twins need. Not Dylan Bundy. I don't know what it is with the Twins and signing these pitchers, but Dylan Bundy, folks, is not the answer to the Twins' problems. The Twins right now are in a spot where they have a very good core offensively. The defense, lacking. Major. We saw on the left side of the diamond last year, a shortstop who was touted as this unbelievable gold glover look mediocre. J.D., he had some injuries. Had a good season last year, really. Not quite the same glove that we've kind of come to expect from him, but I, I credit that to a lot of the injuries, I think. Some of the, some of the things that he's been battling through. So it's pitching. This team needs pitching. Dylan Bundy, not even close to the answer that the Twins are going to need. His last winning season, now I know the baseball people are going to freak out when I say winning season because wins don't matter in baseball for pitchers. But they do, okay? You got to win ball games to be a good pitcher. That's what good pitchers do. Unless you're DeGrom. That's not his fault. It's just a tough team he's playing for, or has in the past at least. The, the Mets are 
going to be coming around the new ownership out there. Ooh, that's some fun stuff they got going on. Dylan Bundy's last winning season was 2017. He was the, he was the best pitcher for Baltimore at the time. Had a 4.24 ERA. That led the team. That was a team that had next to no pitching. You think the Twins pitching is bad? Go look up that team. Go look up that Roto. Ubaldo Jimenez was still pitching for him at the time. Josh Tomlin was on that team. Long-time uh, Cleveland pitcher. But he was the best they had. Then in 2020, he had a bit of a bounce-back season. Short season, obviously, right? was ninth in the Cy Young voting. In that short season, he pitched 65 and two-thirds innings, struck out 72 batters. Hasn't had a lot of seasons. Had, I think, two or three seasons where he's struck out more batters than innings pitched. And we know in baseball now that's that's the thing, right? Strikeout, strikeouts and home runs. That's what we're looking for. In that short season, he had an ERA of uh 3.29 for all of you baseball fanatics and number of people. His FIP was 2.95. Pretty good FIP. If that Dylan Bundy shows up to Twins camp, great. But that's the best season he's ever had. The best season he's ever had by a mile. So he's not going to fix the team, that's for sure. The Twins have kind of taken a back seat before the lockout began on trying to find pitching, which is a little disheartening. Cause I, I look at the lineup right now. It's a great lineup. It still is a good lineup. Would love to see Nelly back in that three-hole. But you need pitching. We see it every single year. What I will give the Twins a ton of credit for, though, the pitchers that are going to come up, they're kind of in this spot right now. They have a lot of young, good pitchers right now that are ranked pretty high in the farm system. We're talking about, well, Joe Ryan, perfect example. Mr. Team USA in the Olympics last year got him in a trade when Tampa Bay rented Nelson Cruz for the last two months of the season. That trade I think it's going to work out very well for us. I hope we get Nelly back. That'd be great. Joe Ryan took the ball and kind of filled in a gap that the Twins had after trading our top guy at the time, Jose Barrios. In that trade with Jose Barrios, though, the Twins were able to get a very exciting prospect, Austin Martin, who coming into the season, according to Baseball America, is the 47th best prospect in the game. And he's a guy to watch. He is he's going to give Royce Lewis struggles on making the major league team. Because him and Royce Lewis both play shortstop, both are capable of playing center field. Those two are going to get to battle. And that's exciting. Royce Lewis needs to have a big comeback season, obviously missing all of last year. He's kind of fallen from grace as far as the prospect ratings go. He's going to be coming in in the pre-2020 season as the 82nd prospect. By far the worst ranking he's had. He was as high as 9 at one point. 
just a few years back. Jose Miranda, a guy that came on the scene last year and made Saints fans here in town extremely excited, and Twins fans. Jose Miranda came in at number 90. That guy had such an amazing season last year with the Saints that he has catapulted himself as someone that no one really, you know, was taking a look at or looking looking as a, a future guy on the big club. All of a sudden we got we got big club aspirations out there with Jose Miranda. One dude to keep an eye on this upcoming season, someone I'm really high on anyway. Simeon Woods Richardson. One, it'll be really cool to see how they get Woods Richardson on the back of a jersey. Hell of a last name. He's going to have to pick one or the other. 21 years old. Throws the ball decently hard, but has great command. Sits around 93, 95. Can paint corners. Good movement on his stuff. Coming in at the number 69 ranked player coming into the season. Don't think he's pitched higher than double A at this point. So expect him to be a double A player here this year for the Twins. But the Twins, when you look at this, and this is where they're going to have to be doing quite a bit of kind of balancing, is that they have the 10th ranked prospect system right now in baseball. That's good. In baseball, that is how you grow your team. That's how you become a legitimate team. Look at the Tampa Bay Rays. Perfect example of that. Look at the Houston Astros. Another great example of that. Where your prospects pan out. The Royals. A decade ago now. That's what they did. They had a strong core of guys that they brought up. You had Moose. Alex Gordon. Eric Hosmer. Bunch of studs. They all won on their way up, too. That's what a lot of these guys right now in the Twins organization are doing, seeing a lot of success in minor league ball. That does translate to the major league level, no doubt. So the Twins are in a spot where they have a core here. You just extended Buxton, thank God. He stays healthy. He's an MVP candidate. No doubt about it. He has plus power, fastest guy in baseball, unbelievable defense. Got to get him to play a little deeper center field so he's not running into the wall all the time. I mean, there are, there are plenty of times where I, I think I'm going to lose my breath because I've held it so long for him diving. Scary. But he's an MVP candidate when he's healthy. The Twins are a great team when Byron Buxton's healthy. But he's not a young man anymore. He's reaching his prime. Your prime years, they don't last forever. So the Twins are kind of in a spot where they need to find a way to get these young guys up, acclimated to the major leagues, get them to be successful in kind of a small window. Polanco, it's not going to be good forever. We've seen Kepler taper off. Kepler's a guy that 
honestly, I think we might be looking at trading him. There's a guy you can trade for some pitching. Someone better than Dylan Bundy. Back to the CBA real quick. One of the things I thought was very interesting what they're doing, and I don't know if I'm all for, but the owners want to have a 14-team playoff. You'd have your top four seeds. The number one team gets a bye in the first round. First round would be a best of three, all held in the same city. The number two seed gets to pick from the bottom three seeds who they want to play. That's interesting. I kind of like that. Think of sitting there Sunday night and say say your team is the number two seed. you got three teams to pick from. How fun is that? I like that idea. That's what's saving this for me. The 14 teams kind of a lot. I like the exclusivity that baseball has with their playoffs. The NBA does not. You got to be really good to make the playoffs. The cream rises to the top. It's a long season. The cream always rises to the top. We saw that with Washington just a few years ago. But they need to figure this out because there are catchers, pitchers and catchers that are supposed to report to spring training on February 16th. But with this lockout, all free agency, not happening. No trades, no salary arbitration deals. Any hearings that are out there, they're all frozen for now. Why? Because these guys can't get together in a room and figure out what's going to work. We're 15 days away from spring training. And it's almost like they don't even realize that. And that's partly on the manager, or partly on the commission. They need to get that figured out. Again, tweet us here at Triple Play Tuesdays. Excuse me, tweet us at tri- Triple Tuesdays. Email us at TriplePlayTuesdays.com at gmail.com. We're going to put a wrap here on this show. Thank you so much, everybody, for joining us here this week. Our first episode. We'll uh, be working on getting this on Spotify. So if you did miss it, or if you heard it and you thought, hey, my buddy would really like listening to this guy talk, we'll get that this up on Spotify so you can go out and listen. We'll be back next Tuesday. In the meantime, keep your eyes on your bobber. Listen for the rattle, folks. <laughs>